All right, Bill. Good morning. Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team, your host for Business Matters. And this is uh, information. This is part of the recording that is exclusive for the podcast. So you get to hear the uh, the setup for the radio show that we're going to be recording. And just like all of our other shows, we bring you some good nuggets, some good information about how to run your business, things that you're going to encounter, whether it's legal issues, whether it's uh, employment law matters, whether it's sales tax, whether it's um, how do you respond to social media posts that may be negative uh, from ex-employees or current employees or even customers. So uh, we've even dealt with weed in the workplace, the new legalization of medical marijuana in the state of Florida. What has that done to uh, the employee, the employer relationship? So there's a lot of good information out there. We've got it uh, recorded on Apple Podcasts. You can get to that very easily through our website at beanteam.com. Go to the news section of our webpage there and you'll see all of the kind of a description of the um, podcast and how to link to those recordings. So you can you can hear the pre-recorded shows that we've got there. Uh, this one will be up very soon. So by the time you're watching, watching this, it's going to be up uh, on our website. It'll be on Apple Podcasts. So uh, today we've got, today is like no other day. We've got nuggets of information. Uh, I'm excited about today's show. It's going to be packed full of of information. Uh, We've got Bill Wilson with us today. Bill is the author of this book called The Magic of What, Who, How, and Why Not. Uh, This is going to be the four keys to improve business outcomes. This is... uh, I think this is great information. This is something that big businesses, small businesses, they deal with it, whether they do it successfully or whether they don't. So they're going to be dealing with some of this information. So Bill has some great experience where he's done this with companies that I think we're all going to know when we talk about it, uh, the farmer's insurance company. So I think that's one of your hallmark clients. Yeah, that's for sure. Bill, so thank you for joining us on Business Matters. I'm, I think this is going to be another awesome show, and we're glad that you're you're joining us, uh, at least for the first episode. We think we're going to do two episodes on this. So uh, the first one is about the book, and it's going to be kind of outlining the book. So um, thank you for joining us, and welcome. My pleasure, and happy to share uh, what little I know about this. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think you know a lot, so... Uh, Heck, you knew, you knew enough to write a book. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah. so that that's uh, I think that's pretty awesome. So tell us what the just not to dive into the details because we're going to save the meat for the for the show that we're recording. But just to kind of set this up to tee it up out there for the for the listeners of the podcast so they know what they're going to get. Well, I started looking at this when I was doing a lot of work in training design and helping organizations try to improve their training programs. But what I found in doing that was the training that they were asking me to do wasn't linked to the business outcomes. Uh, So we're spending all this money and spending all this time training employees to no real outcome from a business point of view. And that just didn't seem like a good investment. So most people are training for the sake of training and not to drive desired outcomes. That's right. So this whole approach is how do you look at, at that differently and start with what's the business outcome we're trying to achieve and then how do we have to get everything aligned to get there? And, and part of that may involve some training because if you're going to get a different outcome 
the way you basically get there is you have to have the people in the organization change their behavior in one way or another. Right. Because if they don't behave differently, the outcomes aren't going to be different. What's, so, the, what's the definition of insanity? Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. So the whole focus is getting clear about what the outcomes you're, you want, uh, how you're going to measure that success, and then how do you get things in line to be sure you're going to get there and do it in a way that you get measurable outcomes and you can evaluate the ROI before you ever get started. If I make this investment, this is what I'm going to get. Good. So you you uh, you set up your expectation from the beginning and then you drive the training to meet that. Uh, training and, and non-training. I mean, we, we find in a lot of organizations, uh, a lot of money is wasted on training for things that training can't fix. Interesting. Uh, there are other things going on in the organization that get in the way of people being able to be successful, and and that's the why not piece. Awesome. Why are they not behaving that way now? And, so, it's, and it's not all about training. The why not is the last of the four that we're going to go over. So right. Let's get through all four of those. So let's uh, we're going to give John the the note, and he's going to get us queued up for the music, and then we'll roll right into the show. All right. Good morning and welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters. Welcome back. 93.3 Real Talk Radio when we're bringing some more magic, some more nuggets. And listen, we have got the actual magic today. We have the author of a book called The Magic of What, Who, How, and Why Not. Bill Wilson is in the house today and he's going to talk about the four keys to improve business outcomes. You're going to want to stay tuned for this show. This is going to be another one that really helps you improve your business, helps you improve your training, helps you improve your relationship with your employees. How do you set up your employees for the best success possible? We're going to listen to Bill today. He's going to bring us some great information. So, Bill, welcome to the show, Business Matters, and this is your first time on the show. We're looking forward to many more episodes that we do today is the first one we're going to talk about your book and it's called again the magic of what who how and why not the four keys to improve business outcomes so i've known you for for a couple of years anyway and i know what you have done on the in the consulting front you've done enough you've got a great experience you've you've worked with the farmers insurance company is probably one of the hallmark companies or the or one of the clients that you've had that really people are going to associate with they see those advertisements those commercials on tv all the time so welcome to the show tell us a little bit about your background how you came to write this book well i spent a, a number of years mostly uh, working in training improvement working with organizations to redesign their training programs, try to get more effective training outcomes. And and what I found in doing that was a lot of the training people were asking me to design had nothing to do with changing the results of what the business was trying to do. And they were spending a lot of time and a lot of money um, to what end. And there was it was very difficult to try to calculate the ROI on the investment in the training world because they didn't look at it from a point of view of the business outcomes so are you are you telling me that people would actually be training they would be spending time and dollars just for the sake of training using an old book 
that may not have been driving outcomes? Well, the the, the data from the industry, if the, training is evaluated basically on four different levels. It's a, a, a model that introduced by Don Kirkpatrick 50-some years ago. Level one is, did you like it? And that's the little survey we figure at the end of the at the training. And all it's really telling you, did the, did the people in the training enjoy what they got? Second is, did they learn it? Which is some sort of pre and post assessment, some demonstration of skill. Third is, did they use it? They went back to the went back to work. Did they put it in play? And fourth, did it make a difference to the business? The industry data says about ninety percent of the time we evaluate training at level one. Yeah, I think we've all filled out those surveys. Yeah. I always thought those surveys that that tells whoever put that on whether or not to bring that instructor back next year basically and and you know was the room nice was the food good exactly and did we enjoy what we were doing right when you get to level four did it make a difference only about nine percent of the time are companies actually even trying to evaluate training at the level four that that makes sense because that's got to be the most difficult process to measure anyway it is if you design training based on somebody saying hey i want you to train these people to do this and this may or may not have any impact on the business okay so what we've done with this model is we said you got to start first with the what what's the business outcome that you're trying to achieve right okay then who can have an impact on that how do they need to behave to support that success and why aren't they behaving that way now until you deal with all four of those in that order you don't get a program that's going to be as cost effective as it can be and give you the most results on the business side that you can get. Yeah, I think that that's the key that you link there, cost effective plus it drives results. Absolutely. So you have, I know you didn't write this book on day one. You wrote this book after experience, and actually this is a proven model. So tell us, um, give us some information, give us some of the, the war stories, if you will, on on the success and the implementation of this process. Well, what this is probably the result of about 15 years of work in the field and with different organizations, different industries. And what I've found is from a process point of view, the industry doesn't matter and the size of the organization doesn't matter. So this can be for insurance, a law firm, an accounting firm, whatever. I've worked with law firms. I've worked with insurance companies. I've worked with banks. I've worked with uh, coal mines. So Uh, the process works across any industry. Right. It's, it's all about getting clear about your outcomes, getting clear what your people need to do and figure out how to get them to do it. Well, it makes sense. Anytime you, uh, this is the simple, this is the level one, but anytime, regardless of the training, that a person goes to a training, they fill out one of those surveys, was, was the, were the accommodations good, were the food good, was the instructor, were they educated in what they're teaching, so good. And it really doesn't tell us much. Exactly. So um, you mentioned farmers. Uh, we were invited into farmers to help them redesign a training program and uh, for their new agents. And Farmers uh, puts on about 16 to 1,800 new agents a year nationwide. Uh, they're all independent contractors. So you can't actually compel them to do everything you'd like for them to do because they're, they're independent. independent. Con- that's right. So um, their training was decentralized to their nine zones. It was totally inconsistent. Um, and they said, we need to... We need a, an organized training approach. So we got in there and got them to work through the model. And what we found was that they provide a financial subsidy to those agents in the first two years. And if they hit certain production goals, that's forgiven. 
Otherwise, it was like a loan. And they only had 38% of their new agents hitting that goal at two years. So they were losing 60% of the people that they were bringing on every year. And that's expensive. That is expensive. That's My guess expensive. is they probably didn't. They had a low success rate on collecting that advance as uh, well. Like none. Right. So the president says, we need to solve this problem. So what we found was that part of it was, yes, it was a training issue because it was inconsistent. But we also found there were a lot of mixed messages coming from the corporation. Um, they had a comp plan. They had a subsidy program. They had an awards and recognition program. And then they had their district manager that reported to. So all those people were telling them to do different things at different times. So the first thing we had to do was back up and say, if you're going to be a successful agent, what do you need to do in the first three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, two years, three years? And we put a five-year road plan together for new agent success. And then we had to get the internal groups to agree that at three months, if they hit these marks, this is what happens to comp, this is what happens to subsidy, this is what the words of recognition are, and the DMs are bought into this. So we got everything aligned. So this was all before there was training. That's right. So this is just restructuring, in this case, primarily the comp plan. And and, and all the subsidy and awards and all that, and getting all that lined up. So we were had one message to the, to, the, to the agent. Right. This is what you need to do, and this is what happens if you do it. As a result of that, we then put a training program together, to, and we used online learning to teach all the product stuff because that's – Right. set right and then we created a, a one-week training session in la where all the new agents came about three months into their or their contract and they spent a week learning how to run an agency and as a result of that we turned that 38 percent success rate into an 83 percent success rate and that's they, a dramatic i don't know what the what the expectation was when you came on board but that seems like a pretty dramatic turnaround well, the, the lady I was working with, who was the senior vice president at the time, she said, what's a number? Because the president wants a number. <laughs> and I said, I think we can hit 75%. And she said, well, we need to be sure because 40% of my comp next year is tied to us hitting that number. And that's one thing Farmers has done as they've implemented this module. Now they know what the ROI is they can get by using this approach to address productivity issues and everybody in the University of Farmers now, a big portion of their comp is tied to them hitting their level four measures on the initiatives that they're involved in. So 75 was their target. We hit 83. They've maintained that 83 now for 15 years. And they measure that how frequently? Um, every, well, it's... Is it an ongoing measurement? It's an ongoing measure every quarter. Uh, they actually publish a scorecard every quarter for all their major initiatives that says here's where we are at level one two three and four for each of those initiatives and they publish it throughout the organization they've won ever measure training award you can get corporate university hall of fame ceo clo of the year all that all that stuff over the years so, so. so they've done all that and that's that's been you were part of that success we were we were the lead consultants on the design team that built the University of Farmers. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. How many years ago was that? Uh, close to fifteen years ago. Wow. Now we were I worked with them uh, consistently for about ten years on a number of different programs. We probably built two hundred and fifty hours of online learning for them. We designed 
10 or 12 face-to-face programs that we rolled out over time and they're still using that they're still using it and we also built a program to teach their new staff how to implement this model in the way they work so the little team of six that we started with um, now the university of farmers is in 14 locations around the country with a staff of about 175 people interesting so That's... they've they've really understand how a different approach to looking at problems can have a direct business impact let's go through i know that there are there's four parts here the what who how and why not i know we touched briefly a moment ago even before we started the show on the why not so let's start at the beginning the and it, it, some of this is probably redundant on what you just went through but the magic of what so what what is the what well there's actually a step in front of the what and and it's one that you don't necessarily think about but it's really clearly identifying the problem you're trying to solve and if you can't define the problem it's hard to solve it so in this case with farmers their problem was new the retention agents, new agent success right that was that was clear so that 38 we percent is what you had that was the what that was the what and well that was part of the what but the problem was the the problem definition was new agent success and then we had to pull the right team together to work on that and that team is critical so we wanted new agents on the team we wanted experienced agents on the team we wanted district managers on the team we wanted the training team so is that part of the who no that's part of the that's still part of that's the wh- part of the team building up front okay because you're going to do this with a team uh, you can't do this alone so we had to have a, a team of folks uh, we did a, a bank project looking at new teller training my team for that was new teller, a couple of old tellers, teller supervisor, teller trainer, branch manager. I want everybody that can impact this or have an opinion on it down the road because you don't need to get something built and then somebody come in and say, well, I don't think that's what you should have done. So you're going upstream and downstream of that position or that problem, the what? Yeah, you need everybody involved that – that can impact that it. can impact it having that that understands the problem has a piece of the solution is writing the check for it and they're going to have an opinion on what it looks like right can make a decision on the roi investment i need them up front then we talk about the what and that is we want to get clear about what the business outcomes are that we want to address and we tend to try to get that down to about three or four items uh too many and you get you get confused and we want those in priority order because as you start any project when you get down the road and you get constrained with resources you want to focus on your highest priority outcome so getting those in priority order is really important take some work Um, if i'm in a call center and dealing with sales and customer service is sales on top of customer service or is customer service on top of sales and those are two different programs. Right. If my sales is the focus and customer service is secondary, it's one thing. But if customer service is the focus and sales is, if I do this right, then sales will come. Then that's a whole different but, program. But your team defines that. Absolutely. Okay. So that's why you have those, your team is made up of downstream and, and, and upstream, upstream people that can impact that. So they have, they're weighing into the process and the decisions that are made in defining the what. That's correct. Okay. And then with the what, 
the next piece of that is we talked about that level four evaluation. Right. How are we going to evaluate that, the success of that what? So you go ahead and, and measure, give a measurement for your success at that point. Where are we now? Where do we want to go? Okay. New agent retention, 38%. We want to go to 75%. Okay. You know, so we lay that out and identify it up front. Okay. So that's the beginning that really starts to set up the ROI conversation. Because if we can move this from 35 to 70, or 38 to 75, what's that going to mean in new premium revenue? And what does that mean in terms of what we're willing to invest in this to make that happen? Right. All that goes, all of that calculation, the ROI goes into the specificity of here's what we want to achieve. Correct. Because it's going to yield this. Yes. And most of the times that's going to have some dollar that, that, that brings, that's part of the, the solution. It, in, in, it, all of it ought to have some dollar implication. Right. Some of it has some other implications, like in some cases it's, it's retention of employees. In some cases, it's improved customer service numbers. Right. And you know, even those, they, they may be the, the soft part of it or you're improving uh, your, your morale or your culture, but that in, in, in the end still has an improvement uh, objective to the dollars. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So what else goes into the what, or we or we move to the who? That's that's pretty much it for the what. We got the top three or four items. We got them in priority order, and we know what our evaluation criteria is for each of those. Okay. So we know whether we're successful or not when we're through. All right. Then the question is, if that's what we want to do, who can impact those outcomes? So are those would the who be different than the people that are part of that team? Absolutely. Okay. Um, the who somewhat is kind of suggested by the project definition okay new agents so farmers an example the who the the project team was new agent success when we got to the who piece what we came to understand was a key to new agent success was their district managers the district managers weren't in the project statement but they became a key who because if they didn't understand what we were doing, they weren't prepared to coach a new agent coming back from training, the new agent wasn't going to get there. Uh, how many times have people gone to training where they come back to the job and a manager says, I know you spent two days in that training program. That's all well and good, and I hope you had a good time, but that's not the way we do it here. Right. Go back to this list that they've been doing for Correct. forever. So if you don't have that next line of supervisors bought into and supporting, then whatever you do on the training side is wasted. All right. Wasted so here's money. here's the – so if, if you've created your team to begin with, mm-hmm. do, would your in your situation, would the team consist of the district manager and a new agent? Yes. And now those – the the, the district manager and the new agent are also defined as the who. They were they were two of the who's. Okay. We also had, you know, regional marketing managers who kind of supervised the, the district managers. Uh, and, and some of the who's are people that need to be communicated with and understand what's going on in the project as opposed to those that are directly involved and going to be impacted by the project. So you kind of have to, to sort those out. Some of the who's are internal, some of the who's are external. So if they're an external who, they're not going to be part of this. They're not going to at least not be part of the team. In some cases, they may be because they could be a vendor 
And, and depending on what the program is, we may want some external folks that we interact with to come in and be part of the team to help us solve the problem. Okay, good example. So it could it could go either way. Okay. Um, and then for each of those who's, the question is, how does that group need to behave to support this business outcome? Okay, so, so now we've the, gone from the what, who, now we're talking about the how. The how. So how should those who's act to affect the outcome the desired outcome correct all right so i want to go through and now i want to define the behaviors that are going to make that who successful doing that what okay and that's the piece i think if you looked at business in general that we're probably not very good at Uh, we're not very good at clearly defining what it is an employee needs to do to be successful in their job in behavioral terms. Um, Why do you, is that because we've not taken the deep dive to ask the question, what what should they be doing? Yeah. Okay. In most cases, and and if you when when I look at a behavior, what I understand from from the brain and training and all that kind of stuff, it takes three things to affect a behavior. I have to have the knowledge to know what to do. I have to have the skill to be able to do it. And I have to have the attitude to want to do it that way. And those affect three different domains in the brain. And if you're training, they require three different strategies. If you're coaching, they require three different strategies. So if I'm a manager, I need to be able to define for somebody, here's what you need to do to be successful. Here's the knowledge you have to have. Here's the skill you have to have. And here's how I need to get your head screwed on right so you do it. Now my job as a manager is to observe for that. If I'm not getting the performance I want, what's the issue? Is it a knowledge issue? Is it a skill issue? Or is it an attitude issue? Right. And that requires a different intervention. Sending somebody back to training that's knowledge and skill-based when they got an attitude problem is not going to fix it. That's not going to get you there. Right. So you got a, the two A's, I call it aptitude and attitude. Right. But you, you got to break down those three domains and understand it. Right. We, we generally, in our job descriptions, don't do a very good job of describing the job in behavioral terms to say you need to be able to do this this way. And that's a, that's a key piece of how you get performance changed. Um, there's another piece of that which we can talk about more but that's internal and it also applies to how you look at hiring new people and being clear that you've got to match your expectation you're hiring right. against the behaviors that you need for them to be successful right yeah i think that is um that's really a, a responsibility of the employer or the the person hiring is to make that that potential employee fully aware of what they're walking into, what the expectations are, what what their what the environment's going to be that they're going to be working in, and not necessarily at that point how to do the job, but at least this, these are the expectations. This is what you're going to encounter as an employee. I I think there there is a requirement to do how to do the job, and and being clear up front. Here's how here's how I need it done. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Ken Blanchard's uh, situational leadership model, as an example, says in quadrant one, it's very directive. 
here's what you do here's how you do it and you slowly move people from one to two to three to four where they become very independent and do the job without any supervision so but you've got to start with the clarity on the front end right and and being and 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 that whole onboarding and orientation piece is one that managers avoid um because oh well i hired them and they got all this experience and they know and well they can just go and do doesn't happen that, that doesn't happen yeah because every um you've you've seen this more than i have because of the exposure to different organizations but every organization is different and even though that person may be experienced in whatever their field of expertise there's still things they need to know on how to do that job within that organization and and the other piece on the hiring side and we, we could talk more about that if we went into who but is, are they a cultural fit for the organization right um, we've we've had a couple of examples and uh, a couple of um, uh, broker dealers, stock broker dealers, that were rating each other's top performers. And when they came over, they weren't a top performer. The cultures were so different. The right. processes. So were they so couldn't different. process as a, as successfully in a different culture. Correct. Interesting. So hiring for culture first. You can you can train for skill. You can't train for culture. Right. That is true. And if a new a new employee doesn't fit in the culture, they're ultimately not going to be successful. Right. So that that whole hiring process, how how the culture fits in, and how we deal with that's another another can of worms. Bill, just to summarize what we've done, Bill Wilson, experienced consultant in improving and changing employees and businesses outcome the author of the book called The Magic of What, Who, How, and Why Not. Bill, we scratched the surface today on episode one. Actually, we, we covered some good material here. We went through, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but three of the four. Yep. We still got some ground to cover on the, on the how, mm-hmm. but we went through the who, what, and how, and what's left out there for us to still discuss is the why not. So I know there's some cool stuff with that, some more nuggets that we're going to deliver. So those of you listening out there in Radio Land, tune in next week for the follow-up episode with Bill Wilson as we dive into the why not. And we've got a whole lot more to talk about because we're going to take another deep dive into the who. Again, we got the four elements, what, who, how, and why not that changes performance with inside of a business, changes outcomes, improves success. You've been listening to Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. We've been coming to you on Real Talk 93.3. Check us out next week, same time, same station, 1130. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. Peace out. Money, 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 money.